The text for this Christmas morning is taken from John 3 for 16, the well-known text, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then after the sermon we will sing from hymn 23 to stanzas 1, 2, and 6. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, that includes you also, boys and girls, Christmas. What's it about? To the world, at least to those who still want to celebrate it in some form, it has become a symbol of peace. To them, it is merely a quiet oasis at this time of the year in the midst of the bustle and hustle of daily life. That little child in the manger of more than 2,000 years ago is the symbol of that hope of peace and innocence. For us as Christians, it is about more than that. For us, it has much greater significance. It is not just about some little baby born so many years ago, but about the Son of God. And so we celebrate differently. Yet we do not always agree about how we should celebrate, do we? There are those of us who are afraid of taking over the trappings of the world and who want to have as few of them as possible. They don't like Christmas decorations or Christmas lights or Christmas trees. Some people don't even like the singing of Christmas hymns. There are even those who go so far as to say that Christmas should not be celebrated at all. Others are not restrictive, are not as restrictive in that regard. They are afraid of legalism, of Phariseeism. They do not worry so much about the external trappings, but want to emphasize the spiritual significance of Christmas. And so there's always a certain amount of tension at this time of the year. I know that as I grew up, I was always a little bit confused as to what or what we should not be doing during Christmas time. One family does this and another family does that. Your friends are allowed to do one thing and you're allowed to do another. It's difficult to find what is right. I still find that somewhat difficult. For we are treading on sacred ground. We are dealing with the birth of Christ the Savior of the world, and we want to do it right. And so what is the right way to celebrate? What is it about? Well, it is, of course, spiritually understood. It is because of the birth of Christ that those who believe have been given birth through the Holy Spirit. And it is that spirit that the Lord Jesus speaks about here in his conversation with Nicodemus. Only God's Spirit can teach you the true meaning of Spirit. And that's what I will preach to you about this morning. It is about the great significance of God's wonderful gift of His only Son. And then we will see three things. First of all, about God's love. Secondly, God's gift. And then finally, God's goal. Jesus said to Nicodemus, I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He had seen the Lord Jesus at work. He had seen the miracles that he did. And he marveled. 
From all the things that he did and said, Nicodemus knew that the Lord Jesus was doing the work of God. And yet, it didn't make sense to him. What is the significance of this? What is the Lord Jesus trying to accomplish? And so, he went to go and see him. He wanted to understand. However, because of the things that he said... At first, the Lord Jesus confused him even more. For he told Nicodemus that he had to be born a second time. That, of course, was very puzzling to him. Understandable. For you can only be born once. As Nicodemus himself says, you cannot go back into your mother's womb so that you can be born again. That's impossible. And then the Lord Jesus says, explaining to him that he is speaking about spiritual rebirth. He makes a distinction between flesh and spirit. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. The reason that Nicodemus did not understand these things was because he saw things from the perspective of his flesh only. He had always operated on an earthly, legalistic level, on a Pharisaic level. And on that level, he put God. At that point, when he came to the Lord Jesus, he did not have the eyes of faith. And he needed to have his eyes open to a heavenly perspective. For what did the world see at the time of the birth of Christ? They saw an ordinary child, a human being. It saw a child that was born to very ordinary parents, parents who were relatively poor. And so when the time for the birth of the child had come, they had to lay him in a manger. But there was no room for him in the inn. No one would make room for them. After all, children are born every day. This is nothing special. That was the inauspicious start of the Lord Jesus here on earth. The world only saw a lowly child. What about now? The story of the birth of the Lord Jesus is well known. It is told all over the world. If there's one story which people will know about is this story of Christ's birth. But how does the world today look at that birth? Do they see the birth for what it really is? Oh, sure, they will recognize the humble surroundings in which that child was born and the humiliating circumstances of his birth. But a lot of children are born under much worse circumstances. At least the baby Jesus had a father and a mother. Many other children are born without a father present. And every day thousands of children are born under much worse conditions. Children who are born in the midst of war, born in the midst of famine, where the mothers are too emaciated to be able to nourish their child. Thousands upon thousands of children every day of the year are born and die because they lack food, or they lack hygiene, or they lack shelter, they lack medical care. Also, there are many children who are born with deformities, with all kinds of horrible diseases. 
And then there are children who are born to drug-addicted or alcoholic women or who are severely damaged. There are thousands upon thousands of orphans whose parents are dead or abandoned or who abandoned them. Such children born under those circumstances grow up in appalling circumstances in a third world where there is improper care and love. And also in Western society, there are so many children born in terrible circumstances. And so you will agree that Jesus's, that the Lord Jesus' birth was under much better circumstances. John 3 verse 16 is the well-known text about the love of God. But that text flies in the face of that reality, doesn't it? For children have been born under such terrible circumstances throughout the ages. There have always been wars. There's always been famine, oppression, pain, suffering, despair, loneliness, and injustice. The cruelty of man against man knows no bounds. People all over the world are maimed and mutilated and martyred all the time, and they suffer all kinds of diseases. And there is the constant stench of death throughout this world today, and it has always been that way, ever since the fall into sin. Man has a great lust for power, and it comes with deceit and disregard for other people's rights and feelings. Even if others are not out to deliberately trample all over you, there are still so many misunderstandings and therefore broken relationships and loneliness and frustration We all experience these things, don't we? We live in a broken world. If it were possible for you to see all the suffering in the world that's going on in this very moment, then you would cry out in agony and despair. You would not be able to bear it. And then you would want to cry out in your consternation, Where is God in all this? Where is he if he is the one who rules the world? That is the conclusion we would come to if we only have an earthly, fleshly perspective. But now look at how the Lord Jesus Christ speaks to Nicodemus. How does the Lord Jesus teach Nicodemus to have a proper grasp of what is happening on earth? Well, he first of all points Nicodemus heavenward. He says to him, I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. What has the Lord Jesus seen? Well, he says, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came to heaven, the Son of Man. What's the Lord Jesus speaking about here? He is speaking about, of course, his own incarnation. He is speaking about the fact that the Son of God came from heaven down to earth. He is speaking about Christmas. He did not come with his flesh from heaven. No, he took the flesh of man through Mary. He emptied himself of the glory that he had with his Father. And he was... Even though he was at his father's side, he put it all aside. 
that great relationship of intimacy that he had with his Father in heaven, he put it aside. He came to earth. He robbed himself of the glory that he had. He left his Father's side and came to earth. And now he is no longer crowned with majesty and glory, for he humbled himself and made himself to be a servant instead, a servant of the Father and a servant of man. He who together with the Father and the Holy Spirit created all things, he who was perfect and righteous and holy came down to this miserable earth. He came to this world where Satan rules supreme in the hearts of the fleshly man. He came to this world full of sin and misery and despair and deceit, this world of death. He came into this world because he wanted to do away with all that. Because he wanted to do away with everything to do with sin, with everything to do with Satan, with everything to do with death. That is why he came. He came into this world to save it. That is the reality of his birth. And that's what it means in the text when it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loved the world. He came because he did not want sin and misery to remain on this earth. Because he wanted to do away with it. What a wonderful gift to the world. And that is what Nicodemus had to understand. And that is something we all have to understand. God is a God of love. Christ came to earth not in order to impress the world with his sweetness and innocence. He came to do battle. He came to do away with those who do not want to worship him and God through him. And that is why the gift of God's Son is such a great gift. We come to the second point. A gift, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, only has true value if the giving costs something to the giver. The higher the cost, the greater the gift. We're not speaking here about financial worth. No, we're speaking here about something which is of great value to the person who has to part with it. When we give gifts, we usually do not take something that is very valuable to us and then just hand that over to someone else. No, we keep our valuables, don't we? Or we buy something new for another person. We do not really have such a great attachment to the gifts that we give. But now look at the gifts of God to man, the Son of God. God gave his only Son. He who was at the bosom of the Father, God gave him up. He sent him into this miserable world where he would be ridiculed and scorned and maltreated and dishonored and in the end killed. Do you know what a great cost that is to the Father? Can you imagine if you or I had to do that? Suppose you had only one child and you loved him dearly. Would you give him up? Of course not. The very thought is deeply disturbing. Do you think, brother and sister DeWitt, would gift up their child? Of course not. It's theirs. They love their child. God, the Father, however, did. 
if, however, we were forced to give up our child, then at least we would make sure that our child would go to a good home, wouldn't we? To a home where he wouldn't be maltreated. To a home where he would be loved and cared for and appreciated. We wouldn't give up our child to a bunch of drug addicts or child molesters who would only use our child for their own sick purposes. But that's what the father did. He gave up his son to his enemies. He gave his son to a world which hated him. He gave up his son knowing even that he would be killed. Can you imagine that? That is how much God loves this world full of sickies, full of abusers, robbers, liars, molesters. He did not even spare his own son. Brothers and sisters, we cannot even begin to imagine that kind of love. We are absolutely incapable of giving to that extent. God is. His love is so deep and so great that it is unfathomable for us. He gave his only son knowing that that was the only way that this world could be saved. And the text says that his gift was to the world. What does that mean? Some people take it to mean that it refers to the whole world, including all men and all animals and living things. That it refers to all creation. But from the text it is quite clear that that is not what the Lord Jesus has in mind. He speaks about those who love him. They are the ones who will be saved. He is speaking about those who believe in him. He is speaking about the world as spoken about a moment ago. The world full of pain and suffering and darkness. He is speaking about you and me. For we are part of that world. He is speaking about the world which has been estranged from God and lost. And that world became estranged from him because of their own fault. And now he seeks us and we have to believe. And that is what we must understand about what has happened and is happening yet on this earth. And that is also the perspective that Nicodemus had to have first of all. And that is the perspective that you and I must have as well. We are all laden with sin and guilt. We sin against God and his commandments every day of our lives. We dishonor his name in the way that we live, in the things that we say, in the things that we do. Think about it. We are full of resentments, aren't we? Of anger, of ill will towards others. We live in broken relationships. It is our nature to live like that. And that nature of ours shows itself all the time. We constantly show that evil side of us. We can't help it. That's the way we are. Isn't that true, children? Are you always nice to your brother or your sister? Or your friends at school? Are you always nice to your parents? Do you listen to your parents all the time? You don't, do you? Well, that's what you're like. But your parents, 
Well, they do lots of things wrong, too. They don't always listen, either. They don't always do what they're supposed to do. And I don't, either. But that is why God gave us his son. That is why the baby Jesus was born. So that he can make things right again. So that he can make things right with God. And with one another. And only the Lord Jesus is the one who could make it right. No one else. And that is why he had to be born. For man cannot save himself from his sinful condition. It's impossible. He needs Christ. He needs his Holy Spirit. He needs to be reborn. God's Spirit comes from above. The Lord Jesus Christ sent his Spirit to man here on earth after he ascended into heaven. And he sent his Spirit to make you and me new creatures so that we can be in a relationship with God, so that we can be in a relationship with one another. For we must love God and our neighbor. Those two commandments belong together. And through the Lord Jesus, those commandments can be kept, but only through him. God created man in order to glorify him, to glorify his great name, and to embrace him. And that is still his goal, in spite of the fall into sin. That's the third point. And that is why he wants to lift us out of our sinful condition, and he wants to make us fit for service, service for God, and service for our fellow man. And now through faith, that goal can be realized. It's not enough just to confess that Christ came to earth as God's only Son. A true act of faith is required. True faith embraces Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, in all his fullness. True faith does not concentrate on the outward trappings of our various celebrations, whether it is the celebration of the Lord's Supper or baptism or the birth of Christ. It is never about the ritual. It is always about the reality. That is what the Old Testament believer had to learn and also the New Testament believer. We'll say more about that this afternoon, Lord willing. But that doesn't mean that the rituals and the rules and the way we do things aren't important. They are. But they have to reflect the spiritual truth. It has to be done because it is a matter of the heart. It has to be done out of a love for God who sent his son. It has to be about his wonderful gift of salvation. Therefore, we have to worship God in spirit and truth, as the Lord Jesus says to the Samaritan woman in verse 24 of the following chapter. God's spirit has to be present, but so does the truth. And you cannot sacrifice the one for the other. God gives us his spirit, and therefore there is always a tension in our lives. Because we always want to go according to the flesh, and then our spirit has to make us renewed in our thinking. What is it about? 
How do we serve God? How do we honor him? And we must celebrate him, and we have to look at the various perspective in the way that we celebrate. We have to not exclude the one perspective from the other. We need the spirit and the truth. We have to look at what God has done and is doing in this world, and we must celebrate that with joy, and celebrate that within the freedom that he gives. Not as the world. Today man sings of that sweet little baby in the manger. As the song goes, I love the Lord Jesus, asleep in the hay. The little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. It paints a picture of a sweet little child who makes no waves, no demands. He gives gifts like Santa Claus. But that sweet baby, brothers and sisters... Boys and girls, that sweet little baby later on drove all the money changers in the temple because they were desecrating the house of God. They did not have the truth, nor did they have the spirit. The Son of Man came to do battle. He did battle against Satan. Satan tempted him and he withstood the temptation. And he did battle against the agents of Satan, against the Pharisees and the scribes, and all those who dishonored God with their lips and their deeds. The Lord Jesus came to bring peace. But that peace can only come by way of the cross, by doing away with sin. That is the only way that peace can come about. Christ came to save the world. But that world only belongs to those who belong to him. He belongs to the believers, and the believers belong to him. For those who want to worship him in spirit and truth, that, brothers and sisters, is the message of Christmas. That is the meaning of Christmas. Amen.